The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. It's great to see you all. Uh, my name is Shugo, if we haven't met before. And it's, it's really great to see you all here in the Zendo and to see you all online. Hey, everyone. Uh, and if this is your first time or one of your first times at the Zendo, welcome. And it's really good to have you with us. And if this is your millionth time at the Zendo, it's good to see you. Um, <clears throat> so this week, is Thanksgiving, as I'm sure you know. And uh, I think both in preparation for this, for giving this talk, and also just in my life in general, you know, uh, approaching the holidays, approaching Thanksgiving, I've been making a little bit of time to sort of feel into where am I at this year with Thanksgiving? Uh, what's coming up for me? And, you know, what, what, when I made that space, what came up initially was like, I sort of remembered as a kid, you know, it felt like Thanksgiving was just Thanksgiving, like just straight and simple Thanksgiving. And we all had a meal and everybody went around the table and said what they were thankful for. Uh, maybe that's not really what it was like, but in my mind, that's how it was. Uh, but, you know, these days, uh, with everything that's going on in the world and how intimately connected we are with global suffering, um, it feels sort of like uh, trite or weird to suddenly out of nowhere have a day set aside for feeling thankful. Like uh, kind of wrong somehow. Um, of course, what's going on in Israel and Gaza, which I feel heartbroken about and the ongoing war in Russia and Ukraine, and the list goes on and on. Uh, and, and right here at home, you know, I've been feeling these days on the subway to and from work, uh, just all of the people without homes who we live with every day and seeing how much they suffer every day uh, breaks my heart over and over again. And with that, of course, we have, you know, the awareness now of the complicated and violent history that our traditional story of Thanksgiving in this country signifies. Um, so with all of this, it, you know, on one hand, it just feels totally weird and incongruous to, to have a day of Thanksgiving. On the flip side, I also am connecting with the fact that uh, Across the world, in many, many cultures, uh, a autumn harvest festival is, is celebrated. Um, you know, there's a natural sort of human desire after the summer growing season, when you've put all of this work into what you've grown and cultivated, to want to celebrate that and to want to express gratitude for that and to be with the ones you love to have a ceremonial meal to do that. Uh, it connects us back to the earth and our connection with uh, growing food and sustaining ourselves. So certainly I can connect with that and that is something that I want to celebrate and that makes me feel grounded and present. Uh, 
and thankful for what I have. So I feel like I sort of was holding both these things and uh, feeling into that and feeling like, what does Thanksgiving you know, mean for me today with, with all of that uh, on my mind? And what is thankfulness or gratitude in the Dharma? Like, where do the teachings talk about that? Where do we find that? And what is that in our practice? How do we actually engage with that? How are we instructed to engage with that in our practice? So I started by looking a little bit at the Tripitaka, the Pali Canon. And, uh, you know, gratitude is it's not really talked about much, as, as far as I can tell. Uh, it's in comparison to some of the other topics, which are really, you know, highly covered, it's, it's not talked about that much. But there are some very powerful passages, passages about it especially in the Anguttara Nikaya, which is the fourth section of the Sutra Pitaka. So there's um, a, a short sutra called the Dulaba Sutta, and in Pali, Dulaba means hard to find or rare. There's a couple short suttas by this name. So the Buddha said this, monks, these two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is great, grateful for a kindness done and feels obligated to repay it. These two people are hard to find in the world. So one who does a kindness and one who feels that kindness, how it impacts them and feels obligated to do something about that, to repay that. Uh, and so this passage introduces this concept of the, these poly words that typically go together Katanyu and Kata Devi. And uh, so Kata, this root means like the awareness of something that has been done previously. So Katanyu is uh, this is gratitude that arises from awareness of what has been done. And Kata Devi is the desire to express that gratitude, to do something in response to that feeling. So this Kata Du Kata Nevi. Kata Devi comes up numerous times, and that's sort of where gratitude is, is spoken about. Um, so who should we be grateful for? Uh, and to, to whom should we be grateful and what should we be grateful for? Um, I think, you know, parents foremost in the, in the Tripitaka are talked about. Also those who expose us to the Dharma and those who are kind in general. Okay, so that's sort of conceptually where we find in the teachings. So when I wanted to connect with that a little bit, uh, I was reading a bunch of different things and feeling. So what, what does that feel like for me? Uh, and it, it brought, it reminded me of a story, um, an experience that I had about a year and a half ago with my grandfather, um, shortly before he passed away. So I had been going back and forth to the hospital in New Jersey that he was at. And my family and I were lucky because he was there and he sort of declined over a period of a week or more. Um, so we were able to go back a number of times and spend time with him in those kind of closing, that closing time. And on one of the earlier days when he was still kind of conscious and fully himself, uh, I think it was the afternoon there were a few of us there and he said, I feel scruffy, I need, I need a shave, you know, sitting in the hospital bed. 
and uh, he was 99 at the time. We were lucky. So he couldn't really do it for himself, and he's in the hospital bed, and he wasn't well. So I said, okay, I can do that. I want to do that. And, you know, there was sort of a moment of hesitation for me, like, you know, I loved him very much. I spent a lot of time with him. I always helped him to, you know, walk or get in and out of a car or things like that. Uh, but it was sort of like, I've never really done anything that intimate for him. So there was a little moment there. Um, <clears throat> but then I had this feeling like, you know, this is the man who brought my mother into the world, the woman who brought me into the world and who took care of me and raised me with so much love. So I felt this desire rising in me to want to take care of him, to want to take care of his body. So I took his electric razor and I gently and slowly, you know, gave him a little shave, following his instructions. Make sure you get over there <laughs> and under the chin. <laughs> and uh, I remember he was lying in the hospital bed and he sort of leaned his head back and went, hmm, hmm. And, uh, when he finished, when I finished, he said, that feels better. And he died a few days after that. So this is how I connect with Kata Nyu, Kata Devi. Uh, that gratitude for what has been done for me, uh, for why I'm here, for I have the opportunity to be alive and to live this life and to want to do something as a result of that. So uh, this is the, in the Tripitaka, this is really what we see, gratitude towards one's parents, to one's teacher, gratitude for a precious human rebirth, basically all of the things that allow us access to the Dharma so that we have the possibility of achieving Nirvana, of liberation. That's really how it's framed. So then what about in the Mahayana, which is closer home for us? Uh, I think, you know, the same traditional ideas are valued, very highly valued, but also it, the idea of gratitude, thankfulness carries into, you know, the Mahayana sort of major innovations uh, philosophically. So the Buddha taught also that the idea of Buddha nature, that actually, you know, we don't have to try and achieve uh, liberation because already we are liberated right now. All of reality is already awakened. Everybody, everything, and we're not separate from any of that. So we can just connect with that. So there's a kind of, I think, you know, like a tacit gratitude for that, for being connected with all things, for the fact that all of awakened, all of reality is awakened already. And I find for myself, it's so easy to get caught up in the little things of every day. You know, the stresses of work and my ideas about myself and others and how I'm supposed to be. Uh, and that can really take over 24 seven if I don't do something about it. Uh, but if I can take, you know, a step back from that a little bit, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But if I can take a step back and sense the spaciousness 
uh, the limitlessness, that awakened free nature, then I feel that sense of gratitude emerging for this opportunity to live this life with all of its tumultuousness, for all of the people and things who I get to connect with and live my life with. For all of it, I feel a thankfulness. Okay, so I chose this day to give this talk because it was one of the, the few days that I was available to give a talk. And also I thought, Thanksgiving, this will be this will be nice to connect with that and give a Dharma talk about going to Thanksgiving. But you know, the trick is that when you choose a topic like this that's connected to something, then you actually have to talk about that. <laughs> as opposed to like just whatever inspires me the week before <laughs> whatever comes up you know something that happens and I go aha I'll talk about that uh, and as I said with everything that's been going on in the world and a busy work schedule recently I haven't been feeling particularly in touch with Thanksgiving spiritually so I had this moment of like oh my god now I have to talk about this and I don't feel inspired at all. <laughs> what am I going to say? And what am I going to make time to find something interesting and write a talk about it? But then the inspiration came, the moment of inspiration. And where did it come? On the subway, of course, <laughs> where all great inspirations come. Uh, so I was coming home from work last week, tired, late, and I was tired. I was sort of, you know, dozing and listening to music. And I noticed I was in the back of the subway car, the very last seat on the edge. And I noticed a little bit of colorful something in the poster next to me. So I looked over and it was one of these uh, poetry in motion poems. Maybe you've seen them, maybe you're familiar with them. Yeah, I see a lot of nodding. I really love them whenever I see them. You know, it's a poem that's written over a piece of artwork. It's always paired with a piece of artwork. And I looked it up. It, this program was started by the MTA and the Poetry Society of, of America in 1992 to bring poetry into pub the public transit system in New York. And it spread across the country. So it's a program that's across the country to bring poetry and art into public transit systems. So the one that I saw uh, is by the poet Iman Mersel, and it's called Morning Bell. It goes like this. The eye opens like a curtain rising. In the dark, feet search for something real. Consciousness hasn't happened yet. And the floorboards are skin temperature, a fresh repetition. Today will be one more or one less. An impromptu concert strikes up in the kitchen. Maybe this black coffee is the morning bell, the prize you win for returning safe from sleep. Maybe this cup of black coffee is the morning bell, the prize you win from returning safe from sleep. So the prize you win is getting to experience that cup of coffee. It's a great experience. Or the prize we win is the rumbling of the subway car, or the flapping of the pigeon's wings, or that ray of light that comes around a building. So can we, be, can we connect with that? 
Can we be thankful for that? For a hug from someone? Can we be thankful for a smile? Can we be thankful for a hurtful comment that a coworker makes? For that pain in my tooth? For the sadness, for the tears, for the anger? Can we connect with those things? Of all the things in my life, our practice is one of the things that I'm most grateful for because it helps me to live my life and to walk on this path of life, which I really don't know anything about, and to turn towards my life and everything in it and connect rather than turning away and retreating into the thoughts in my head, which is often tempting. Um, <clears throat> so the poem is paired with this um, mosaic. Uh, the mosaic is in the Bedford Elch uh, st station. I haven't seen it, but it was commissioned in 2021. And it's a beautiful kind of kaleidoscopic mosaic, uh, which depicts the sun and the moon and various animals and different figures. Uh, and it's a kind of organized chaos that's a tribute to New York and all of its history and people. It's very beautiful. I saw some pictures, but I haven't actually seen it. And when I was reading about it, I saw that actually the artist uh, was inspired by Walt Whitman's poem, uh, Crossing Brooklyn Ferry, which is in Leaves of Grass. Maybe you're familiar with the poem. Uh, he originally published it in uh, the 1856 version as Sundown poem, but then in the next version, it was Crossing Brooklyn Ferry. And um, 1860, so it's like nine years before the construction of the bridge actually started. At that point, there was just a ferry that went back and forth for people uh, going to work or whatever they were doing. So the poem is about uh, uh, you know this trip back and forth at sundown. So uh, I've said a little bit about thankfulness and, and gratitude and, and the different teachings and how I sort of see that. So I'm going to leave you today with uh, Walt Whitman's words. And of course, it's a, you know amazing poem. So I would recommend reading the whole thing, but it's pretty long. So I'm just going to read. A few excerpts from it. Uh, and I hope that these words will be wind in your sails for this Thanksgiving, whatever, wherever your ship may take you. Flood tide below me, I see you face to face. Clouds of the west, sun there half an hour high. I see you also face to face. Crowds of men and women attired in the usual costumes. How curious you are to me. On the ferry boats, the hundreds and hundreds that cross returning home are more curious to me than you suppose. And you that shall cross from shore to shore years hence are more to me and more in my meditations than you might suppose. The impalpable sustenance of me from all things at all hours of the day, the simple, compact, well-joined scheme, myself disintegrated, everyone disintegrated, yet part of the scheme, the similitudes of the past and those of the future. 
Others will enter the gates of the ferry and cross from shore to shore. Others will see the islands large and small. 50 years hence, others will see them as they cross. The sun half an hour high, a hundred years hence, or ever so many hundred years hence, others will see them. We'll enjoy the sunset, the pouring in of the flood tide, the falling back to the sea of the ebb tide. What is it then between us? What is the count of the scores or hundreds of years between us? Whatever it is, it avails not. Distance avails not and place avails not. I too lived, Brooklyn of Ample's Hills was mine. I too walked in the streets of Manhattan Island and bathed in the waters around it. I too felt the curious abrupt questioning stir within me. In the day among crowds of people, sometimes they came upon me. In my walks home late at night or as I lay in my bed, they came upon me. I too had been struck from the float forever held in solution. I too had received identity by my body, that I knew I was of my body and what I should be, I knew I should be of my body. It is not upon you alone the dark patches fall. The dark threw its patches down upon me also. The best I had done seemed to me blank and suspicious. My great thoughts as I supposed them, were they not in reality meager? Nor is it you alone who knows what it is to be evil. I am he who knows what it is to be evil. I too knitted the old knot of contrariety, blabbed, blushed, resented, lied, stole, grudged, had guile, anger, lust, hot wishes I dare not speak, was wayward, vain, greedy, shallow, sly, cowardly, malignant, the wolf, the snake, the hog, not wanting in me, the cheating look, the frivolous word, the adulterous wish, not wanting, refusals, hates, postponements, meanness, laziness, none of these wanting was one with the rest, the days and haps of the rest, lived the same life with the rest, the same old laughing, gnawing, sleeping, played the part that still looks back on the actor or actress, the same old role, the role that is what we make it, as great as we like, or as small as we like, or both great and small. Flow on river, flow with the flood tide and ebb with the ebb tide. Frolic on crested and scalloped edged waves. Gorgeous clouds of the sunset drench with your splendor me or the men and women generations after me. Cross from shore to shore, countless crowds of passengers. You have waited, you always wait, you dumb, beautiful ministers. We receive you with free sense at last and are insatiate henceforth. Not you anymore shall be able to foil us or withhold yourself from us. We use you and do not cast you aside. We plant you permanently within us. We fathom you, we love you. There is perfection in you also. You furnish your parts towards eternity, great or small, you furnish your parts towards the soul.